infrastructure for live art in the UK is based in community. This can mean many different things, from the global networks of artists, producers and researchers who make digital connections across the world, to the temporary families that are formed at performance festivals for a few days at a time, to the support and resource sharing which happens year-round in the towns and cities where artists live and work. In this podcast, the second from the Live Art UK network of venues and promoters, we look at the live art community in Yorkshire. The UK's largest county, Yorkshire contains areas of dense urban population within picturesque countryside, and we'll be hearing how its histories of industry and tourism have left behind spaces and opportunities for today's artists. When we arrived in Sheffield, we didn't really know the city and we didn't know anybody in it. That's Terry O'Connor from Forced Entertainment, a groundbreaking company of artists who have been based out of Sheffield since 1984. The first few years, at least, maybe longer, were uh, were a process in Forced Entertainment of the work reflecting our kind of organic exploration of the city and what it was like to live in and um, a sense of its its history and its its potential. One of the things that we found, of course... Um, in the mid-80s was uh, a number of kind of empty buildings, industrial buildings, f- factories and, and warehouses, small small spaces. And um, we were part of a larger community of artists who were sort of working in those spaces, um, musicians, filmmakers, uh, people working across different art forms. Um, but for us, it... It enabled us to think that we could make um, and it gave us a community of other makers which in a way encouraged us to think about theatre and performance as something in connection with music and in connection with other art forms. My sense now in Sheffield is that most um, emerging or independent performance makers have some kind of connection with theatre delicatessen which is really providing a kind of focus for making in the city. Um, They are a London organisation that came up to Sheffield and took over an old Woolworths building, a massive building right in the city centre. And they facilitate work by commissioning, by mentoring, um, providing rehearsal space and performance space, and there's a cafe there. Um, And I think this has really done an enormous amount to, to help... Uh, create a sense of community for people interested in making performance in Sheffield. You'll hear a lot about space over the next 15 minutes or so. While live art has never been shackled to traditional performance buildings, and indeed much of the work made in this sector comes alive in public space or in a moment of unexpected encounter, artists need affordable places to live, make, rehearse and, as Terry says, to find one another and generate a culture of creativity. When Forced Entertainment first arrived in Sheffield, they found that in a former flour mill on the southeast edge of the city centre. The venue um, in Sheffield, the lead mill, uh, was also really important in encouraging this sense of exchange and of, of community between performance work and um, art, film and music. I do think a lot of it has to do with buildings and places and things like that in Leeds. Like, there's... there's um, there's the availability here that there isn't in a lot of other cities, and that's something that's very, very clear. Every time someone, particularly London-based people, come up, they're like, wow, because I don't know if you've noticed, but this place is massive. <laughs> Jess Sweet is one of the artists leading Live Art Bistro, or Lab, in Leeds. 
They're currently based in an empty retail space just outside the centre, but have occupied a number of different locations since they began in 2012. Here's Adam Young, also from Lab. For me, it's a story of spaces that we've been uh, given that have allowed us the opportunity to, to sort of create a bit of a, a community in Leeds, which, you know, mm. was already there, but it was, it was quite disparate. We all sort of came out of university at the time when the financial crash happened, mm. and the, you know, we got like 33% cuts in, in arts funding, and so places like Annie Lloyd's um, Studio Gallery Theatre had just closed, so really there wasn't any sort of first, second run on, on the ladder graduating, mm. you know, it looks like the only places to go were London, mm. Bristol, you know, maybe potentially Manchester, mm. so it just didn't look very good for the city. Right. But actually there was a lot of interesting things going on. Live Art Bistro worked largely without funding, volunteering their time and creating partnerships with other organisations in the city to share resources. To get to where we are now, we've, we've worked voluntary for three years, pretty much. Um, and the, the, the investment and funding that we've had has been quite piecemeal. I think we're probably... We run up against the challenge of probably being seen to be better resource and bigger than we actually are. Um, I mean, we're speaking now at the kind of furthest point from a festival and that means it's really just Annie and I and a couple of desks and this kind of prefab little office. That's Peter Reed from Compass Live Art, who work from a small space in lab. Most of the time, Compass are a two-man band, but every two years their team expands to deliver Compass Festival. Here's Annie Lloyd, who founded the organisation in 2011 and continues to run it with Peter. It is very hand-to-mouth, because we're not regularly funded. Um, and I think that's right, the perception is that we're sort of greater in resource than we are. But I do think that has something to do with the fact that Certainly come festival time, we do build the team. Um, we've run a trainee producers scheme for the last two festivals as well. So the, the personnel grows. But I think also our output is very ambitious. So we do actually achieve quite you know, a huge amount of work. We had 18 projects and the festival just gone. The campaign to make Leeds European Capital of Culture in 2023 launched recently and is in the middle of an extensive public consultation about what that year might include. This isn't dissimilar to the principles on which Annie and Peter have developed Compass, programming work which responds directly to Leeds and its people, and situating it in markets and libraries and shopping centres. It's, it's a city that, um, I mean I've lived in Leeds for nearly 30 years, and it's a city that has um, continually investigated itself in terms of what its cultural position is. Um, I think it's often in the past been perceived as a place that's, that's got a number of sort of high-end institutions with the, the, the ballet and the opera and the playhouse and so forth and, and a sense in which therefore we're sorted. And then there's been a sort of grassroots sort of community arts sort of element that's been supported by the city as well. But I think for many years there's been a, a real shortage of anything in between that and certainly anything that comes at the world from a different angle. I mean the culture of Leeds is shopping, wherever you go that's what it's known for. Um, even though we have Manchester just over the border, 
um, Leeds prides itself on being the place that people come to for shopping and and I think again the conversation is what what more is there in our culture than that is it all about commercialism and consumerism and whatever one thinks about capitalism culture and very controversial and they're not universally loved um, the fact that the city is putting itself in the position of having to think about how it is distinct from every other so that it isn't just going to produce the kind of normal high street notion of culture it's it's got to look at what else is going on and i think that's a great time for live art in particular to step up and go if you're looking for distinctive if you're looking for interactive if you're looking for stuff that actually speaks to the contemporary experience you couldn't do better than look at live art so it feels like a, a really great opportunity at the moment for us in leeds both compass and live art bistro acknowledge how difficult it is for artists and small organizations to survive and make things happen there is a sense of optimism though not just because of the capital of culture bid but because the community of artists is growing and making new connections all the time from when lab started out to now I think it's really encouraging to see how much more profile the city has and especially the artists within it. Um, when you look at the major festivals and platforms that happen nationally, uh, more and more artists that are based in Leeds are uh, represented at those. And when I first graduated, I used to go to every single festival I could and quite often I'd be the only person from Leeds there, and now that's not the case. Now we're a bit of a, a bit of a rabble of you know Leeds people, but, you know. <laughs> so I think yeah. that's just really encouraging, and and I can only see that, you know, trend continuing. And actually, there is there's a constant stream of like really interesting graduates who are sticking around in the city and wanting to make it work and, mm. and really engaged in especially what we're doing and volunteering at like things like Compass. So I think mm. you know the future is actually really bright for live art in, in Leeds. Outside of Yorkshire's cities, the arts community is naturally more dispersed, with considerably different resources available. I travelled from Leeds to Scarborough, wondering if I might find an artist community energised by tourism in the area, or heartened by activities in Hull this year, where they are City of Culture for 2017. There I met Jade Montserrat, an artist who grew up in Scarborough and continues to be based there, but she told me that in reality, the lack of support for cultural initiatives in the town is frustrating. I should also say here that Jade and I spoke in the presence of the loudest fridge in Yorkshire, possibly the world, the kind of hum which is entirely invisible when you're there, but loud as a jet engine on tape. I would like to feel that there is support for cultural initiatives that aren't to do with um, a homogenised entertainment industry. I'd like that guy from Turner Contemporary to come here and present a model and how you regenerate the town culturally, um, how and to demonstrate to the council how artists, visual artists, and DIY um, initiatives 
support of artists using the spaces that are occupied and there are so many spaces that are occupied um, shops previously that were shops independent shops um, or places that have gone bust like Comet that have been stood there for uh, ages now so there needs to be a greater support for initiative for young people. On the day I met Jade in Scarborough, the local council were voting on the future of an old theatre, the Futurist, which sits right on the seafront. A beautiful old Art Deco building, it was once a centre for culture in the town. The Beatles played there twice, and Jade saw her first opera there as a child, but it stood empty since 2014. When we met to chat and walk around together, Jade had come directly from protesting against its possible demolition, and as we spoke, news arrived that the council had voted to knock it down by only one vote. This was a big decision for Scarborough, a genuine talking point for local people. In a chippy on the seafront, a hundred metres or so from the theatre, we heard accusations of corruption in local government, but also got a sense that many people would be happy to see it go, instead replaced with an attraction which would be more popular with tourists. But for Jade, and I expect many other artists and residents, the news of the vote was pretty heartbreaking. It's a, it's a symbol of hope for the town. So if that was brought back to life, it represents um, it represents goodwill, and it represents a re-emergence of our identity and a, and cherishing our, our identity. Jade speaks highly of the work done by other local organisations such as Crescent Arts but their resources are limited. So I asked her what might proactively help artists based in Scarborough and similar towns across the UK. I think that it's going to be really helpful if I get a residency to go away and that would be the headspace. Because at the moment and for the past um, three years I've been working from my bedroom and um, I have to have a routine. So I make sure I'm up for seven every morning and I go for a walk and until October of last year I was walking three miles a day but creating a performance on that walk um, and then I'd get to work and I would work until I went to sleep and at the moment because I've moved I'm trying to find what that new routine is but it's routine is crucial for me and um, in terms of performance to have focus and to have clarity and to have quiet um, uh, none of those aspects can be um, absent from making or else it just doesn't I can't make like anyone who wants is working seriously in any profession you need to be in the right environment to be able to make the work we hear so much about the impact of art and artists on our economy and quality of life Ever since New Labour arrived in the mid-90s, that has remained the dominant narrative. And while that instrumentalist perspective is not without its problems, artists' ability to articulate a sense of place, the identity of a city or a town or a region, has huge benefits for all residents. What is evident from these conversations, though, from speaking to Terry, to Jess and Adam, to Annie and Peter, and to Jade, is that artists cannot work without support. As the industrial buildings which forced entertainment used in the 80s are redeveloped, artists make use of empty shops and public space, but that is often only possible through generosity and mutual support. 
To give artists space is to give them a place to gather, to make work and to make connections, but it is also to show them they are valued. While money is a struggle for Compass and Lab, as it was in the early days of forced entertainment, these organisations have a sense of local community, of shared ethos and of self-worth which comes from having a home in their city, a space to meet and play. It is that which seems to be missing for Jade in Scarborough, and why the loss of the futurist feels so demoralising. Someone wants to embrace me as a Scarboroughian or a Yorkshire person, then that's great. But that hasn't happened to me in either my personal life or my professional life. So I'm reluctant to say I'm doing anything specifically for Scarborough or Yorkshire, because as far as I'm concerned, it's still got to prove itself to me that it's worth me saying that. Thank you to Annie Lloyd, Jade Montserrat, Terry O'Connor, Peter Reed, Jess Sweet and Adam Young. My name is Megan Vaughan and I work for the Live Art Development Agency, one of 28 organisations which make up Live Art UK, working to present, profile and support live art across the country. Go to liveartuk.org to learn more. <laughs>